This is Perspectives. It's the show where an examination of our many differences will often show us how much we really have in common. How are you? I'm Condis Presley. A little bit later in the show today, we are going to talk to Rose Burton. She's the executive director of an organization called Homestretch. What they do is help people, families really, who are about to be homeless. She, they help them find a place to live and work with them to get back on their feet. That's coming up. But first, we're going to go out on a leash and learn how Terry's death gave me new life. So who's Terry and who's me? None other than the legendary Shirley MacLaine. She's appeared in more than 50 films, has been nominated for an Academy Award six times. She won the Oscar for Best Actress in 1984. You'll recall her turn in terms of endearment. She's a longtime outspoken advocate for civil rights and civil liberties. She's written 14 other books. But when Shirley met Terry, she found the love of a lifetime, not in the arms of a man, but in the furry bundle of irresistible charm that was her terrier. In Out on a Leash, How Terry's Death Gave Me New Life, McLean presents a wonderfully funny and deeply touching memoir of her relationship with Terry and how this little dog really did change her life. It is a very special day on Perspectives, and we welcome you, Shirley McLean. Oh, my God. Did you read it, Condes? I'm still reading it, and I'm just, my mouth is still wide open. Okay. It's the story of, I don't know, leash is supposed to be kind of a joke, right? Instead of, I don't know, limb, it's I don't know, leash, which I was with my dog, Terry, because she uh, basically was uh, the guiding force in my life. And. I write about all the years I spent, 17 years, uh, 24-7 with her. She talks in her voice, and I talk in my voice. In a way, it's a wonderful real-life fiction of how I imagine she must think and how I imagine she must communicate. And so that was fun doing that. But then we came to the inevitable, which was, okay, she's 17, and I don't think wants to live anymore. Do you know how now, lucky you were to have her for years. 17 years? My. I'm sorry. 17 say? years. How lucky to be together that yeah. long. It is. And, you know, she was a smallish dog, kind of a, she was a rat terrier. But the, the reason I wrote the book is I had to, after several dramatic events, which you'll really, I think, enjoy reading because, you know, they're better than war, basically, because you get the feeling of what it's like when an animal tries to tell you something. And ultimately, I had to make the decision to put her down, which I don't do And this book is we've had to put down pets or had to deal with, you know, letting a relative go. And I realized right before that last drop of fluid that put her down, was that I should make the decision not to contaminate that event with hurt or anger or loss or guilt or any of that, and that I would kind of have a reward if I celebrated her freedom instead of mourning her death. And that's what I decided to do, Condis. I decided I'm going to celebrate your going, Terry. I'm going to send all the love and free feeling of uh, communication I can to you. Now what happened... Is why I wrote the book. I think love is the most 
is the strongest energy in the universe. That love that I sent her, I think, began to attract other other souls. And I don't know if it's other animals, but certainly other beings who began to guide me. And that's why I write about how it changed my life, because they were telling me how to miss traffic, how to, um, something I forgot, something I needed to realize. It all came in a kind of a feeling speak. And it was very, 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 very sophisticated. It was beyond the third dimension. And I realized that my golly, I was being rewarded by Terry and my celebration of her freedom called Go Passing On with all this guidance that stimulated me to go further and deeper, I don't know, into the mysteries of life and death. And it wasn't motivated by my loss. It was motivated by my celebrating the freedom, which I thought would help other people if they have to put their lives, their pets down, or they have to... I don't know, kind of deal with the passing of a relative. So I thought, I'm going to do this for all the people that love their pet, pets and their relatives and see if it'll help in this crazy, mixed-up, chaotic world. Well, you just said something there about a crazy, mixed-up, and chaotic world. Were you surprised at how... Were you surprised at how letting go in the way that you did created such opportunity and positive energy? You know, frankly, I was. All the books I've written on this, all the, the times I've kind of delved into what must be out there, to have a little dog to death that I was responsible for, teach me that there is guidance out there you never even heard of or thought about or imagined is yours. And that's what. I wanted to pass on. You cannot and should not really contaminate the soul's potential freedom of moving on with anger and hurt and guilt and all that stuff. So her guidance is my reward for celebrating the freedom instead of mourning her death. That's my big lesson in life. Are you there? Yes, I am here. And Ms. McLean, I wanted to ask you, what made you want to tell part of this story in Terry's voice. That's quite unique. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got so close to her. She was with me all the time. You know how you are with some other living being, and they're always with you. Um, I wanted to celebrate her thought process, her way of communicating, her humor, for God's sake, her sense of what she thought about me. I loved doing that. She was so irreverent. I adored that. And so, I wanted to share that, too, so that other people would think, well, God, my dog has some of those opinions, too, about me. Is that what you want readers about to take themselves. out of the, Yes, about themselves. Is that what you want readers to take away from from the book? Out on I a Leash? To take it, I wanted to take from Out on a Leash. Thanks for almost saying it. But uh, when you have to put them down... Please celebrate the freedom and don't mourn the loss. Because for you and Terry, after 17 years, my goodness, that's a relationship that lasts a lot longer than a lot of Hollywood relationships, wouldn't you say? Hollywood? How about anybody? Again, Even you kids, make a point. Because yeah. they're usually gone. What did you love most about Terry? Her humor, her irreverence, her wiliness. 
she thought she was a little princess, would let everybody pet her, but at the same time demanded regal, regal respect. And by the way, what I love most as I think about it now is that she came to me every day I sat down to write about her, and she put the words into my mouth. And I read you still do all of your writing in longhand. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us, the amazing Academy Award-winning actress, Shirley MacLaine. Well, the book is Out on a Leash, How Terry's Death Gave Me New Life. The author is the Academy Award winner, Shirley MacLaine. Now we're going to turn to an issue that's a little bit closer to home. You might have remembered there was a big fire at an apartment complex down in Jonesboro this week, or maybe it was Riverdale. It was on the south side. 65 families left without a place to stay. Now, the Red Cross is helping those folks to find a place to stay until they can get back on their feet, and that's tough for them because it's the holidays. But for many families, anything, a a loss of a paycheck, a loss of a job, a medical emergency, any number of reasons can make a family go from home to homeless. And there's an organization in town that tries to help those families to get back on their feet. We are joined by Rose Burton. She is the executive director of the organization called Homestretch. Homestretch is an Atlanta-based organization that guides homeless working families toward overall self-reliance and stability. Rose, welcome. I sort of summarize what Homestretch does, but when you tell people about Homestretch, what do you say? Thank you, Condis. I want folks to know that Homestretch is all about giving families the time and tools they need to get back on their feet and back into permanent housing after experiencing a housing crisis. So that means exactly what do you all do? We provide temporary housing so that the families are not worried about where they're going to stay, but they inevitably have a barrage of housing barriers. And over a two-year period, we work very closely to help remove those barriers like past evictions, unpaid rent, judgments on credit reports, removing the barriers to housing so that they can then be rentable to a landlord. So we do life skills education, mentoring, case management, and of course we offer the temporary housing. Now how long has Homestretch been active in this sector in the metropolitan Atlanta area? Homestretch was actually founded in 91. We were incorporated in 1993, so next year's our 25th anniversary. Um, And uh, we started with just one apartment. Today we serve 39 families, 39 housing units, and anyone in the North Metro uh, Atlanta area, but families, single moms, single dads, and married couples with children. How do your clients go about finding you and finding out about the service you provide? So to come into the Homestretch program, someone has to be employed, the family. And if it's a two-parent household, both parents have to be employed full-time. And so that introduces an interesting dynamic to the homelessness uh, situation. But these are people that are working. So they're Googling. They're looking for housing. Our number one source for families to find us is on our website, Uh, But we also receive referrals from partner organizations in North Fulton, um, other nonprofits. Um, The faith-based community are huge supporters, and they send families to us that come to their missions departments, Um, school social workers, any number of organizations refer to us. But primarily, families find us through our Internet. How did you become affiliated with Homestretch? Have you, been, you have, have you have you been with them the full twenty five years or or not? I have not actually. I came from Buffalo, New York. I was in the nonprofit world there, and when I relocated here in two thousand and nine, um, I just did a job search because nonprofit tugs at my heart, 
and uh, Homestretch was looking for an executive director. So uh, after a series of interviews and getting to know each other, they selected me. Um, I care a lot about homelessness and struggling families, particularly children who are um, not the decision makers, and they kind of go along and suffer the consequences of uh, life as it happens. So it just really tugged at my heart, and uh, I joined Homestretch in 2009. So as someone with a passion for the nonprofit world and a passion for children, especially who have no say-so over the decisions that are made about their lives, what is the most beneficial thing to you uh, working with an organization like Homestretch as you have for the last nine years and being able to see these families go from homelessness to really getting back up on their feet? Yeah, I think the most rewarding thing, and not just for me, because we have a whole host of supporters, volunteers from the civic corporate faith communities who come to help us. And I think the thing that's most rewarding is to, is to see exactly as you've said, someone that whose journey starts out so uh, chaotic and frightening and traumatic, honestly, um, to see them exit our program really stable. And not just stable in terms of having a place to go that's permanent, but we focus on stability in four areas. We want to see housing stability when someone leaves us. We look for the family to have stability. We want there to be financial stability and employment stability. So everything we do wraps around those four core areas of stability. And it's just rewarding to see, you know, the crisis that someone comes to us in and then to see what they've accomplished when they leave us. Our happiest moment is one of our partners is Habitat for Humanity. And uh, to see a family go from homeless to homeownership at the end of a two-year period is just incredible. So those are our proudest moments. Sounds very special. Walk us through, I know no case is typical, but walk us through probably the most common type of of situation with a family that Homestretch might encounter and take Mm -hmm. us from when somebody comes to your attention to where, as you said, you get them to where they've met those four areas of stability. Right. Yeah. So when a fam- when families come to us, they, they come from a lot of different circumstances. And as you've said, not, there's nothing typical um, except this. They didn't make enough money and they couldn't pay rent and they became homeless. That's the one common thread. So it might be divorce, domestic violence, illness in the family, loss of a job. A lot of other things happen, but the common thread is the family was unable to pay rent and so they lost their housing. Um, So when they come to us, uh, we spend a lot of time working on financial literacy. I mean, we know that there's a whole lot of other things happening, and we address those concerns as well. But the, the common core of what we do is financial literacy, helping the families increase their income, get rid of debt so that their margin is broader so they can absorb an emergency or an unplanned expense and it won't derail them. Um, establishing a savings account, cleaning up their credit. We focus on a number of financial uh, basics for the families so that when they leave us financially, they're stronger. Um, In addition to the financial focus, though, we do uh, case management. We do refer families out for counseling when they need it because homelessness and eviction and the experience of becoming homeless is very painful and very traumatic and frightening. And there are some mental health things that come along with that. You know, I've often said... Um, if someone doesn't have a mental health crisis before they experience homelessness, they're, you're almost sure to feel something in that neighborhood um, once you have. Um, and so we, we refer for counseling. 
Um, but we also create a family development plan. It's a roadmap that the family follows, like within the first 30 days, how are you getting out of home stretch? That's what we want to know. We love you, but we want to know what are you going to do to get out of home stretch? So we do that roadmap, and then we pair the families up with mentors. Each family has two, a family mentor who's sort of like a life coach, um, and the second is a budget mentor who drills down on the budget, the financials, the credit report, and helps get their arms around the family spending and what the financial path is for them to leave home stretch. And then finally, we do workshops that equip the families with um, more tools, primarily financial, but the adults and the youth both go through life skills education, and it covers any number of career planning topics, time management, um, some aspects of physical health, how to take care of yourself physically, um, parenting skills, um, but a lot of financial literacy, good credit, bad credit, how to live within your budget, that sort of thing. Once a family is identified and accepted as a client uh, for home stretch, mm-hmm. is there a maximum amount of time that they can be in the program to get to being more financially stable in those four areas that you described? I mean, is it possible to flunk out of the program? You don't want anybody to do that, but... No. Yeah, we don't want anyone to do that. But sadly, on occasion, there are families who don't go the full length of the program because it's rigorous. And it's you have to bear your soul You when you have to lay your credit report on the table in front of a total stranger. That's not a fun moment. Um, and there's a lot of accountability. So yes, there are some families that don't make it, but we do have about an 82% success rate. Um, and so, yes. You told me, I think you said at the beginning, you guys are working with 39 families now? 39 families. And so that you have you have access to 39 units where you're able to we do. place those families who are in indefinite need. Right. Where do you guys get resources to help all these people? Yeah. We have a very generous community, um, and so we were founded by the faith community. Um, a ministry came together to figure out how to address the housing crisis, the need for affordable housing in North Fulton. So the faith-based community, they're huge supporters, and they financially support us. But the local Rotary Clubs, civic groups, corporations, and then we do apply for some public grants that help support us. Our housing was purchased with Home Investment Partnership funding, so we do own our properties. And the beautiful thing about that is we're able to control those properties long term so that there's always going to be affordability for families who need housing. So as people are hearing more about Homestretch and the great work that you're doing Mm -hmm. in the North Fulton community, is there a way that our listeners can reach out and be a part of the work that you're doing and help out. Absolutely. We have open arms for volunteers, donors, anyone that wants to connect with our mission. Um, Probably the easiest way is to connect through our website, Um, but they can also call the office. Our office number is 770-642-9185, and the receptionist is trained and ready to invite anyone who wants to connect with us. So what are the best types of donations you receive? Obviously, cash is king. Yes. But are there other in-kind services that people might want to share? Can you use those? Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned we have 39 housing units. And when families come to us, a family that's experienced eviction, they don't take their furniture with them. Their stuff stays on the lawn. They take the most important pieces with them. So they often come to us with just literally green garbage bags of clothing. Um, when they leave us, we don't want to see the rock fall to the bottom of the hill where they have to furnish a brand new apartment. So we let them take the furniture with them when they graduate from the program, which means we have a vacant unit that needs to be furnished. So they're small, so we do need small pieces, but we completely furnish the apartment. So furniture donations are great. 
Um, any soft goods or household goods um, are always appreciated, um, particularly linens, but new linens, bed in a bag, those are always good. Um, and then when a family is with us, they are low and very low income individuals. And so typically, though, they make a little too much for food stamps, which is surprising. Um, and so food security and making their budget stretch to the end of the month is always a challenge. So we love when we can have um, gift cards for Kroger or Publix or Gas, um, Target, Walmart. Those make very good gifts and can help a family's budget stretch or meet those emergency needs that may not be in the budget. Tell me about the diversity of the clients that you all are able to help. I know that a lot of times in people's minds, especially in the minds of my audience, they may think, oh, people who are homeless are not like me. But I have interviewed one too many human service organization leaders who describe clients who might look like you and me. Absolutely. The thing that, that strikes me the most is when we have volunteers come in, and particularly they see the children. Like some, we have youth groups that are civic groups that come and volunteer with us or students from the area schools. And when you put all the kids in together, you don't know one from the next. Every, they just, they all look alike and it's because homelessness looks like a lot of different things. So we typically think of the person pushing the grocery cart, kind of, you know, not so great hygiene. And homelessness does not look like that exclusively. There are um, very low and, and, you know, moderately low-income families that struggle. But they're in our schools, you know, participating with the children. You might sit next to them at church. There could be a coworker. And I'll tell you a story real quick. One of my board members, former board member, used to be the supervising attorney at the Georgia Law Center for the Homeless. And he said, Rose, you'd be amazed that on any shift, on any day of the week, if you drive through and you pay attention, you, I can tell you that there's at least one homeless person working in McDonald's on that shift. Every shift, every day of the week. And so we don't always know who we're encountering, um, but homelessness looks a lot like you and me. Absolutely, because in this community, in these days and times, homelessness affects what we call the working poor. Absolutely. And as you said, to be even a beginning candidate for the services that are offered by Homestretch, you got to have a job. You, you have to have a job. You need a foundation to build from, and that's why we have the employment requirement. There isn't a minimum income, but there is an income requirement to, to join our program so that we have something to help the family build with. We do pay a lot of attention to employment and work hard so that the families can get their income up while they're with us. Um, a perfect example, one of our young ladies just graduated. She came to us. Um, she was working in a laundry room at a hospital. She was making $11 an hour. She's got three kids. She just graduated. She is now a correctional officer and uh, got her new apartment and has moved into Norcross area. And her life is just great now. She's got full benefits, and, and uh, it was a game changer for her. But, yeah, the working poor are those who really struggle. And everybody has a story. Yes. Yeah. So, you, so your question was, how long does a family stay with us? Yeah. Families, our program is designed for a family to be successful in 12 months, but it really depends on the hurdles they have to overcome when they're with us, and they can be many. A family must finish the program at the end of 24 months. So 24 months and one day, they've got to be relocated. And hopefully they're being relocated on their feet, reset for us those four areas of stability that are really the foundation on which Homestretch is built. Right. Housing, employment, finances, and family. Those are the four areas of stability, and we know that families can be successful when, when they've achieved stability in those areas. Where does this education for these families in the program take place? Does it 
happen in a one-on-one coaching type of a situation in the temporary housing? Do they come to you to a general services center? How does that work? So our offices are located in Roswell in the Child Development Center. Um, And so when we're working one-on-one with the social workers, our staff social workers are developing the family development plan, referring families out for services, charting goals and things like that, shepherding them through, uh, through their goals in the program. That happens right in the office. We also have life skills education that happens at Roswell Presbyterian Church. They allow us to use classrooms in the fellowship hall there, so we do that twice a month in the evenings. Um, And then finally, the mentoring relationship happens pretty much where it works for the families and uh, the social worker along with the, the mentor. It might be at McDonald's over a cup of coffee. They may meet a family during their lunch break, or they can come to the office and have those one-on-one sessions right in the office if they're most comfortable. Rose Burton with Homestretch, thank you for the work that you and your organization do. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, condo 29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective.